Now we're here, how do we get out? Presented by actor and animal activist Peter Regan and filmmaker Andrew Telling. Hi, Andrew. Peter, hi. It's nice to see you again. I mean, it's been an awful long time with this uh, COVID interruption and we've sort of shut down. Now we're here. How do we get out? Yeah. And um, so I missed talking to you about so many things. And um, well, as you know, this year has been particularly upsetting for me. Of course. Uh, I'm not, I'm still not entirely sure because I've only spoken as it were in the public arena. This will be the second time. The first time was when I did Good Morning with Lorraine and she said to me before the show, um, do you mind if we talk about Myra? And I said, no, no, of course not. No, I don't mind at all. And um, she started the conversation and I collapsed on screen and yeah. I found it quite hard to, to talk. So um, the same thing may happen to me now. I hope it doesn't. It's now in just, over, just coming into five months since Myra died. And it is, of course, without doubt, the single biggest moment of of upset in my entire life of course um, and um so i'm st still trying to manage uh the whole thing it's um how are you the stages of grief have been very clearly categorized and i think that everyone who suffers this kind of grief goes through the same stages but not particularly in the same order no of course it's very it's very personal indeed absolutely and uh, so for me, the initial area I was in just immediately after Myra died, um, I was in a state of shock yeah. for uh, two months, possibly. And <clears throat> everything I did was driven by, by uh, a shock reaction. Yeah. And um, then that sort of migrated into an area of guilt which then turned into an area of of disbelief. And now I find that I'm just in a deep trough of sadness. Yeah, yeah. Um, just thinking about so many things and, um, and particularly, which I won't go into great depth in or detail at, at the moment, but the last three weeks of Myra's life, which was particularly harrowing for me, but of course for Myra, who was in great pain. She died of um, of lung cancer, mm -hmm. and it was a very, very quick journey and devastating, just devastating. So um, I will try not to kind of go into that at the moment, because I don't think I'd get too far in, emotionally with it. Um, because Myra was such... Um, an instigator, as far as I was concerned, in everything I did within the world of animal rights and animal welfare. It was Myra who introduced me to the world of animals, really. Um, she was a great, great animal lover, had huge compassion. Yeah. And um, sh she passed that on to me. I mean, at a time, about 30, nearly 35 years ago, we have been together for nearly 50 years, 49 years, and um, I was always very busy, uh, and Myra was very much the homemaker. And uh, when I was 40, uh, Myra persuaded me to consider having a dog for our daughter, Rebecca. And 
up until then, I had kind of avoided that whole thing because of being so busy and not feeling I had time enough to kind of embrace the huge responsibility of having um, a companion animal. And anyway, Myra convinced me to do that. And we had our first dog, a wonderful, wonderful labby called, we called Crackers. <laughs> and uh, she was Crackers. A great and, name for a Labrador. Uh, great, absolutely. Yeah. And that kind of led on. It sort of became, it just built and built and built and built and built. And I, from Crackers going on through many, many other dogs and going into dog rescue. Was she the instigator of that compassion pathway? Uh, crackers or Myra? Myra. <laughs> Myra, yes. And, Myra, and Crackers. And Crackers, well, of course. Yeah. Yes, Myra was. Yes, she, Myra was always, um, and she still is as far as I'm concerned, because she still lives within me deeply, deeply compassionate. She had the most wonderful gift of friendship. Yeah, she did. And um, she, that was something that she shared. She has, there were so many friends that uh, after she died that wrote to me and all said they treasured what she gave mm. them. And it was all within the realm of the gift of friendship and generosity. Do you know, it's, it's really interesting actually, because about two days after Myra's passing, there was an outpouring of love for her and you yeah, and your family on Twitter. Indeed, And yes. uh, about 10 p.m., she was, she was trending. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I, obviously one can't often take many things from Twitter, but it was a wonderful barometer of how well-loved she was Indeed, in a was. community which yeah. was very expansive. Yeah. And all of those messages were as you say, all compassion-based. Yeah, they were indeed. It was remarkable. I think it is the best of social media. Yes, absolutely. And um, I knew that Myra had a huge reach, um, and but I was just overwhelmed with the response. And I, I put a, 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 a two-minute um, tweet up, a bid, and it had a million uh, views, which was just sensational. Mm and such a great tribute to Myra. That happened and it continues to happen that. Yes. And indeed, if you can hear a little bark in the background, um, <laughs> that's happening as well with one of our dogs now who may have overheard the fact that we're talking about Myra. And she is still with me. Her legacy mm -hmm. as well is deep within my heart and my soul. There's so much work that still needs to be done in terms of animal welfare, conservation, and do you have the feeling that Myra is still driving you towards very much so. that work? Yes, very much so. I mean, because she, she was a complete contributor to the, the journey that we both were on and now that I am on and, and all the people I'm attached to are on, mm -hmm. yourself included. Um, yes, very much so. I mean, her legacy lives deeply within my heart and soul. Mm -hmm. And um, she was... Myra always gave me the greatest notes, um, it, it, whether it be in in terms of my acting or in terms of my life as a campaigner. And she had a wonderful instinct, a wonderful sense of storyline, a wonderful sense of humanity, and a wonderful sense of compassion. Mm. And so, yes, I, I feel that everything I do is done as a partner and not as a single individual. And I will certainly, until the day I die, carry on the the work of both Myra and myself, not just the work of P. 
beta, if you see what I mean. Yes, yes. So yes, I think that's very true. It's Mara does carry on within me. Yeah. And what a, a strong and deeply profound legacy for Myra as well. Uh, absolutely, yes. Because, of course, you moving forward with this work and indeed all the work that you've done has, has touched so many people, so many animals, so many situations. And, of course, to have that kind of a legacy is, is, is really testament to, to who she was. Indeed, absolutely, without question. And I got a phenomenal amount of... Um, messages and cards and things um, in the weeks and months after Myra died. And uh, what was wonderful from young people to old people and students that Myra had worked with, Mm. they all commented on how she had made them feel confident Mm. and encouraged them to follow their dream. And it was like a repeating mantra that Myra gave this to me. And um, so it's... uh, Sorry, it's... um, It is is deeply inspiring. It's wonderful. She was an amazing woman. As one moves through the process of grieving, we were talking about this previously, we reach so many points, so many, some might say potholes, where you find yourself facing something that you necessarily weren't thinking about five minutes earlier because you have a life with somebody and it's a long, expansive life. You have so many experiences with that person. So moving forward, there's always going to be times where you find things which take you back to a period of time with that person, be it just a, an incidental moment in time or, as you were just saying, some of the work that Myra did with students. Mm. It's part of the grieving process, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. It's, in, it, it's very, very difficult to articulate it in, in terms of, of words, really, because what, what I find I do is I kind of build a piece of emotional scaffolding, if you like, yeah. that makes me feel, OK, um, I've got this stage sort of um, supported and in order and I can now move forward um, wherever this is leading me and I will have one image or one feeling about Myra, uh, a deep feeling in my heart and all of that scaffolding collapses and I go back to square one and I start to rebuild it. Um, And yes, that's... um, one of those major potholes yes, that you find yes. yourself. Because I think you said earlier, and you're quite rightly, that the path, the grief path, is littered with potholes and explosive devices that you'll <laughs> tread on and it'll yeah. just just throw you into the air. Yeah. And I think that um, all one can do is honour uh, every pothole that you trip up in uh, not to try to avoid it. Um, if it's too hard to bear, just stay still until you've regained your strength and your breath and then start to move forward. What, what One thing I know for sure is that I can't avoid any of um, these uh, holes in the ground. Um, they're part of me, they're a part of Myra, they're a part of our lives and mm. they all have to be accepted and embraced and addressed. Mm. And it is also 
It's a cliche, I know, but it's certainly true. Most cliches are that um, I think the deeper your love, the deeper your grief. Mm. And grief is such a powerful reflection of love Mm. that um, I can say quite confidently that um, it will be a part of my life for the rest of my life. And I think that's how it should be. Absolutely right. Another cliche that I always used to think was just really a lyric in a song, but time being the healer. Mm. What I've noticed with time when you have a a period of of great sadness is that the, 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 the moment in time where somebody you love leaves you and you go through that process, as time changes, the grief changes it it moves from something which has got almost teeth or barbs it becomes softer and what you do is you look back on your life with that person with a kind of a retrospective deeply loving fondness and warmth and the edge that feels so hard in the early stages of grief softens it's interesting you should say that because i think that's that's a stage that I might be stepping into now. Mm. I hope it is. I think it's the, it, it, for me, it was very, very hard to embrace looking backwards with that degree of warmth, although it is inherently within me, but to, to place it in my consciousness, my conscious awareness and embrace it was too all-consuming and powerful. And whenever I got close to that, I used to collapse a lot because the sense of loss is so huge. And the moment I feel and release the enormous amount of love I have for Myra, and then I also balance that with the thought that I will never see her again on this planet, is so devastating that I have to kind of just close that down a yeah, little bit. Yeah in order to kind of move forward or to stand still, whichever. It is It is such a huge it is. break on uh, where I am. And I, I, because Myra sadly died uh, in great pain and because of the way we manage pain in this country, um, when it is to do with something as, uh, as all, as appalling as cancer, the medication that balances the pain can only work is only legally works within the area of not putting someone in a coma. Mm-hmm. And mm. the, the, the but the terrible predicament is that the person who is receiving the medication that isn't doesn't work enough to stop the pain. No. So, so there's that. It, it was a most horrible, horrible. Dilemma for three weeks. It was heartbreaking. We we were speaking earlier because the situation with Myra was the same as my dad in yeah. that we we lost the person yeah. a month before yeah. the person passed mm-hmm. because the amount of medication that that he was on and, and it was the same with Myra mm-hmm. was something that was so all encompassing for the body that the person just disappears. Yes, and so when the person passes, you've got to rationalise all of those emotions that you had, but almost couldn't have during that time. You were saying earlier when, when Myra was going through that about you were running around trying to find medication. Your, your brain is so attached to this fight or flight mechanism yeah. 
that you don't sit down and conceptualise and cerebralise what's happening yes. until not even after the event, but some weeks mm. down the line. Or, even, you, or even months in my or case. Or even months, and you look back and think, wow, okay, that was a traumatic experience. Yeah. You are trying to find the right painkiller to kill the cancer, but the, the strength of the painkiller is so powerful mm. that you are, as we said, losing the person. Yeah. And yeah. it's just a devastating dilemma to be in and yeah it's it's a it's a layer of devastation on top of the loss that you are going through or the anti the anticipated loss yes. or the anticipated yeah certainly the anticipated um, loss so so in the, the the aftermath is having to deal with all of those thoughts and, yeah. and, and that process you know grief is grief is always such a personal thing but interestingly and again we were talking about this previously we are living in a world where we sort of indoctrinated to Hollywood grief, TV yeah. grief, whereby it's all just so very clean and very clinical. And yeah. a person's last breath is endowed with some kind of wisdom and then mm. they pass away and it's all very soft and gentle. And the reality of that is for so many people, that is just simply not the yeah. case. Well, that, that's romanticised death, isn't it? And it's um, everyone has their clear last word and, you know... Mm. And life isn't like that. And we're unprepared. I mean, yes. that's the other yeah. thing. I think, you know, maybe as a Western culture, we're massively unprepared for death anyway. Most people will always push that to the back of their mind as something that will happen in the future and we, we don't need to deal with it now. So the other element of it when it happens is, well, I, I can't believe this is happening to me. I don't know how one gets into... Um, uh, being prepared or not prepared for death because ultimately I think everyone thinks it's not going to happen to me or my partner or my children or my loved ones or my friends you know you, you we all feel a bit kind of divorced from that mm. but I do think by by talking about it about the situation that you've been through and are going through yeah. I think it resonates with an awful lot of other people who will be going through the same situation and perhaps won't have the opportunity to speak to other people or perhaps don't feel quite confident or don't feel emotionally able yeah. to speak to other people. But to hear you talk about your experience will be of great comfort well, I to hope, them. Well, I hope, that, I hope that's the case. I mean, I am extremely fortunate in that I have a lot of... Um, Good friends who you know like yourself who um, provide an ear and a shoulder and um, and it's not just a function it's a real it's a real mm. um, gift that and we're lucky I think now more than ever before because there are avenues that people can find to talk to other yeah, people indeed. And, I, and I think yeah. that is counseling things like that counseling yeah. and all of those things and even if you're the sort of person that prior to it happening you feel a bit maybe insular and and even a bit sort of sniffy about counselling and talking, when you actually go through the process, there is really a huge, huge benefit. All I'm trying to do is not resist what I'm feeling. And so often what I'm feeling is inexplicable. I, 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 it's, the feeling is so strong, I can't find the words mm -hmm. to describe it. I, all I can do is feel it. It, it, it's in, it is essentially because it's not intellectual, it's not head work, it's all hard work mm. and all 
emotional. And that, that's why I think people sometimes shy away from it because our emotions are very confusing things, mm. you know, and understanding and putting our heads and our hearts together is probably the most challenging thing that we all have to deal with throughout our entire lives. One of the frustrations and maybe one of the potholes which isn't necessarily associated to your life is when people then immediately assume that enough time's passed and everyone's moved on. Yeah. And I, that's, that's certainly from everybody I know, including myself, who have been through a level of bereavement, mm. get a couple of months down the line and then the book's closed for everybody else yeah. and, and life is back to normal again. And, you know, they, I don't know how much time generally people give, but they don't give enough time or don't necessarily understand that more time needs to pass. Well, the people who are close to you don't ever get into that syndrome somehow, I think, because the people who are close to you know and can sense where you are and don't put, even try to put a time limit on what you're feeling. They just say, no, look, take your time, go with it. And they're not looking to put a break on because no. they, know, they know the break is going to be suppressing something. Um, so, um, but there are people who are maybe are more acquaintances or, you know, who are not so closely connected to the journey that you are on who are going to say, well, well, it's been, as you say, four months, five months. I mean, yeah. surely you must be feeling a bit better. Yeah. Um, and, um, but I tend not to get into those kind of, kind of conversations. And if, I, if that does happen, and it, it, I would just say, no, no not yet. No. Uh, so uh, again, a huge stroke of luck is the people that I am engaged with in a close sense are all people who um, have a very, very broad spectrum of compassion and understanding. And, and, and respect as well. Um, I mean, it's a, a lot of it comes down to respect for that person and what yes, that person's but, going through. Yes, I think so, yeah. Um, I suppose compassion embraces respect. It has to. Mm. Um, for me, the most important thing, the most important driver in my life is compassion. Um, so I, 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 that's the kind of term I use a lot of the time in relation to both what I'm experiencing and how that impacts and comes back from um, a, a recipient, the person mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm transmitting that to. The wonderful thing is, you know that Myra will always be supportive of everything that you do because your relationship with her was such that you would know exactly what she would say at this point. Yes, I think after 49 years, I think if I didn't know what she would say, something had gone wrong. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I, I mean, as I said, she was, the, for me, the most wonderful coach as well as the most wonderful partner and the most wonderful wife. Yeah. Um, so, yes, there is certainly, there is that aspect of knowing that you, I have in my left hand my compass and in my right hand Myra's compass. Absolutely. And they both point in the same direction. Yeah. yeah. And, every, and every day she says to you and will continue to say to you, come on, Peter, there's work to be done. Indeed, absolutely. You know, look at, look at the world, look at where we are now, yeah. look at what you've learned, look at what I've taught you. Yeah. There's so much to be done. Sure. And we'll do this together. Absolutely. It's, it's still very much within you. Certainly very much intact. And so many of the things that we're dealing with... Um, like the the introduction of the animal sentience bill that yes, is being discussed course, yeah, um, in the house at the moment. I mean, what is amazing is that it's taken this long 
for the people who govern us to actually consider that animals have the same feelings mm. that we have. And certainly, without putting too fine a point on it, all the feelings that I feel in my life at the moment inform my response to the fact that there is a resistance to many people in the House of Commons, to many corporations, to many lifestyles that don't want to accept that animals are sentient and have the same feelings that, that I have, that you have, that we have. Um, that animals create relationships. Animals depend upon communication of a kind. The only thing that is different to us is that the language they speak is entirely different to our language. But what is also deeply, deeply upsetting is that there is a huge now, a huge um, body in Parliament that does not want to accept that animals are sentient because it will interfere with their corporate imperatives. Yes, of course, absolutely. The day that animal sentience becomes known and respected is the day when so much has to change totally. in the way in which we interact with our animals as a society. Absolutely. And when you see how much money is tied up with not accepting animal sentience and using animals as commodity, exactly. there is, for so many, a massive conflict of interest. Well, you have, you have it impacts, if I can just give a yes, brief list. Yes, It impacts in the world of zoos. It impacts in what we eat, not what we eat, but what people eat. Um, it impacts in how people use animals uh, in an industrial sense. It impacts in terms of our companion animals because it's all to do with dominion and ownership. Mm. I don't believe that, you know, and I'm, I know many, many other people don't believe that, but there are billions of people who mm. do. And there are so many elements that are, are touched in terms of this simple thing that starts this conversation off, which is how my feelings, mm. how I feel mm. about the loss of my wife. Mm. It's, well, it's, it's, it's entirely where I am. It's about how I feel. It's sentience. Yes. And here we are yeah. questioning it in terms of other species yeah. and refusing to admit that they will feel the same grief that I feel yeah. because I know that they do and or I am prepared to believe that they do. Take hunting, take farming, um, take Santorini donkeys up and down the steps. The poor donkey is crushed by humans, yeah. just so humans are so too lazy. Um, or you go into the more complicated world of animal testing for human diseases. All of these things, uh, which are as a result of the thing that we, uh, had put into us f from birth, which is dominion. Absolutely, basically. yeah. And, and, and the sentience bill, or a sentience bill, an acknowledgement with a legal framework around it, begins to send out a message which will begin to change the status quo, which yeah. will begin to change people's feelings about it. I think, as you say, what you're saying is, and it's quite r right and true, that this door called sentience is just being open. Yeah. And once the door is fully open, one will see a new world in terms I of... I think so. Uh, and the world will change, and I think it will change for the better.
I can see that it is going to be frightening and it is frightening for so many people who just will say, no, it's my right to have what I want. That's another problem we have, mm. the, the mm. right to have what I want. Mm. And the only way you can justify the right to have what you want when it comes to animals is to say animals don't feel anything. Yeah. Or you say, if they do feel something, I don't care. I just want it. Yeah. Whether or, or, is mo- or is most probable is, is, is I actually feel that they do care, but I'm not going to think about that yes. while I'm undertaking whatever it is I'm doing. That I want to do, yes. Which brings me joy, happiness, food, exactly. whatever it may be, yeah. so, which is what humans are very good at. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we are very good at justifying total destruction for the end that we think is right. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's another journey we all need to be on. I mean, certainly just for me, and in very simple terms at this stage, at this stage in my life in particular, but I think informed by the last 35 years of my life, that the most, and this is going to sound really crass, the most important thing in life is life. Thank you so much for being so candid and open and heart on your sleeve today, Peter. I think it's been a a really interesting, deep, and I hope helpful conversation as well. It has been. Thank you very much, Andrew. It has been very emotional, but... It's a pleasure talking to you. It's kind of you to share. Next time on the podcast, what I'd really like to chat to you about is the e-petition that you've started on the petition.parliament website. The change in the law to include laboratory animals in the Animal Welfare Act. Absolutely, Which is incredibly important and has done very well in a very short space of time. We put it up two weeks ago and it's had over 52,000 signatures, which is remarkable. So Absolutely I'm remarkable. That, yeah. We'll have a link, obviously, in the description of this podcast, but also people can find more information on your Facebook page and Twitter. Absolutely. The other thing that would be really great to chat about as well is the EDM, the Early Day Motion. Indeed, EDM 175, which is um, calling for a hearing... Um, to have a debate, a peer-reviewed uh, debate from scientists from their own field of science, independent scientists, discussing um, animal modelling for human diseases, which, as we know, is an absolute disaster. Yeah, and that would be one of the most remarkable things to happen, Absolutely, I would imagine. Uh, I, I mean, whoever, whichever government or whichever country puts an end to animal testing... Um, is going to be remembered along the lines of um, William Wilberforce, who stopped the slave trade in the British Empire. Yes, years ago. I, I agree. We are all with that on the wrong side of history at the moment. Absolutely. Uh, so hopefully that will be something that yeah. can change. So that will be wonderful to talk to you about Great. in the not too distant future. For now, thank you so much. Thank you, Andrew. We always want to hear from you. So whether you have a question, an observation or a suggestion, please get in touch with Peter and Andrew by emailing life at orangeplanetpictures.com or search for Orange Planet Pictures on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye.